who are the truckers and what exactly do they want? Today, I talked to one of the very few legacy media journalists who is bothered to go to the protest, to talk to the truckers, and to seek to answer these very important questions. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. So we continue to look at the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, continue to try to look closely at it and answer some of the questions that are being neglected and failed to ask, be asked by the legacy media. Yesterday on the show, we tried to tackle the question of why the legacy media tried to smear this convoy. Why were they so quick um, to assume the very worst about the protesters? And why did they fail to cover the protest in good faith, I was joined by Jonathan Kay, who is the editor over at Colette. Great interview. I encourage you to go check that out. Today, I want to ask another meaningful question that is being neglected and failed to be questioned or answered by the legacy media, and that is finding out who these truckers are. Who are they as individuals? What has motivated them to get to this point? Why are they at this breaking point, and why are they doing what they're doing, which is, is something that's frankly out of character for, for people who are used to just keeping their head down, working hard, doing what they have to do to survive. Uh, they're taking an extraordinary length. They're getting involved in the political and democratic process in a way that they probably haven't ever before in their life. So wh who, who are these truckers and what exactly do they want? What What is it that they're trying to accomplish by being on Parliament Hill and being in the midst of this standstill? So the media were very quick to jump onto Justin Trudeau's petty divisive partisan attacks about the truckers. They assumed that those were true. They assumed that these truckers were dangerous. They were extremists. They were radical. They were racist. They were part of the far right. Well, my guest today is challenging all of those very uh, assumptions. And in a recent piece that she wrote, a beautifully written and, and beautiful photographs um, that she wrote for Barry Weiss's Substack, uh, she refutes some of these claims and tries to understand more about these truckers, paints a totally different picture of them. And so I am very pleased today um, to be joined. My guest today is Rupa Subramania. She is a freelance journalist. She's a columnist over at the National Post. She used to write for the Washington, uh, sorry, for the Wall Street Journal, Foreign Policy Magazine, and she is a distinguished fellow at the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada. Rupa lives in Ottawa, and like I said, she was one of the few journalists who bothered to go in and, and take a closer look at these truckers. So Rupa, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's great to have you. Uh, thanks for having me, Candice. It's great to be here. So, so you live in Ottawa and you have been covering these protests very closely. So I, I want to ask you, how did it feel for you to go into the crowd uh, and what is your impression of these truckers? Well, uh, when I first got there on the first Saturday of the protests, um, I, I went with it keeping an open mind. I'd read all of the news stories about the some of the more unpleasant uh, um, aspects of the convoy that, you know, there are some organized, uh, there are some people attached to the movement who, who have white supremacist views and, and you know, and uh, they wanted to uh, topple the government and, you know, and so I'd read all of these stories. I went with it, just, you know, I wanted to check it out for myself as a resident of the city. I wasn't going there as a journalist or as a columnist, you know, I just really wanted to see what was going Going on and make up my own mind. Um, so my first impressions were that, were that it was like a carnival-like atmosphere. Uh, I have never seen anything like this in Ottawa. Um, it was, uh, you know, there was there were people dancing. Uh, of course, you, uh, tr you you had the sound of uh, honking trucks, um, the trucks honking, and um, and and uh, but you know, it was a carnival-like atmosphere. My first impression was that 
this this looks a bit like Canada Day, you know. I couldn't believe just how many people had shown up, um, you know, on a on an extremely cold day. Uh, we had multiple extreme cold uh, warnings from um, from Environment Canada, uh, frostbite within within minutes of exposure, and I felt it. I have a fairly good jacket, and I, you know, and I and I and I'm you know, very active outdoors in the winter, but that day was bitterly cold. And so that that was an important part of, you know, of, of, of you know, what I'd observed that there was commitment, you know, these were, these were people not, these people were not showing up because the weather was good. The weather was nice. It was warm and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, 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 but it was, it was cold. And, and you had, and I, I think Ottawa police, estimated that about eight to 10,000 people showed up on that first day. Um, and uh, that's extraordinary for, for, for this time of year and that too in such extreme weather conditions. Um, and uh, and I, as I made my way through the crowd, I noticed that uh, there was a fair bit of diversity. Um, of course, the overwhelming um, uh, demographic uh, characteristic of this uh, protest is white. We're, but we're overwhelmingly white in this country. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's, uh, there was, I did notice um, Sea Canadians. I noticed uh, Chinese Canadians. I noticed Black Canadians. I noticed uh, um, Indo-Canadians. Um, I, I noticed First Nations uh, and, uh, and, and people from Quebec, people from Alberta, people from uh, Manitoba. Uh, these are people who've driven you know, long distances to get here uh, to make their voices heard. And um, so I was, so the diversity of it was the other aspect of it. Um, what was really striking was the friendliness of it all. Uh, you cannot walk through those streets without someone making an uh, making eye contact with you and smiling, uh, or just random people just coming up to you and giving you a hug. Um, there was a woman who had a, a "Hug Me" placard on her back, I, I, and 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 there was a spontaneous um, uh, hugging of people, and uh, and you know, and it it was it was electric. The atmosphere was electric. There was music, there were block parties, um, and uh, there were DJs spinning tunes, there were people dancing. I, 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 I it, was, it almost felt like, you know, there was this great unleashing of all of the stress and worries that people had been carrying for the last two years or so, um, especially those who uh, have uh, felt ostracized uh, because of their uh, uh, vax status or the fact that they're unvaccinated. Um, uh, I, I spoke to people who are vaccinated, uh, but showed up uh, in solidarity uh, 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 with, with those who are unvaccinated because they oppose the mandates, they find them divisive, they find, them, find it discriminating. I was really struck on the first day at seeing many people carrying a copy of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. That was very, very... So for me, I was, I was thinking, well, why, why would insurrectionists be carrying the Charter of Rights and Freedom? You know, what, what, what is up with that? Uh, but I saw a lot of people doing that. And, uh, and I saw messages of hope, peace, unity. Um, I did not see the swastika flags or the Confederate flags. I looked for them. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not denying that they were there. Uh, you know, I'm not denying that they did that they showed up at the protest. I just didn't see, see it myself. Uh, but that quickly disappeared. Uh, look, they've been around since, they've been around for 10 days. 
Um, and apart from those first couple of days where these flags were spotted uh, across the city, it was that one truck that kept driving around with a Confederate flag. I, I'm sure you, you've seen that image as well. And there was this other image of someone carrying a swastika flag. Um, those, those images, those people haven't shown up. I, I, I haven't seen anything like that. In fact, what's happened is the movement has gotten really um, big. It, it, it almost... I hate, you know, I, you know, it almost sounds like it's inclusive, you know, it's, it, it's inclusive of so many uh, different types of people, it's inviting, uh, their, their, their soup kitchens have uh, uh, popped up all over uh, uh, downtown Ottawa, um, you can, I, I, you know, I just walk, walk around, I can grab a cookie, I can get a burger, I can get a hot dog, it's all free, um, uh, you know, I see them feeding a lot of homeless people uh, around here. Um, the, the downtown core is, um, you know, has several homeless shelters, um, and uh, some of them have been doing really badly during the pandemic. Um, and, uh, um, and, and so, you know, it was nice to see um, them being fed and being taken care of. Uh, they've joined in, in the protest as well. I've seen them dancing. I've, I've seen them happy, uh, which is extraordinary. Uh, there, there was something nice about that. Uh, you know, we just, uh, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I also say this, you know, as someone who lives in the city, I often just don't even pay attention to them. I just walk by them, but, 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 you know, the last few days I've, I've, I've stopped to see the expressions on their faces and they seem happy. They're, they're, you know, they're being, you know, people are speaking to them. People are inviting them to their, um, uh, to these block parties. It's, it's all very uh, inclusive and there's a party-like atmosphere every day. Wow. So just to sort of unpack what you just said, because so much of the things that you said in your own experiences, your own sort of eyewitness understanding of the convoy is, is in such stark uh, contrast to the legacy media narrative and the things that Justin Trudeau says. You know, we hear from legacy media that these people are stealing from the homeless. Um, you're describing that they're helping care for the homeless. Um, you know, the, the media try to characterize the whole group um, by a few French people who showed up for one for one day and didn't come back. Um, so, so it's interesting. I, I want to pick up on some of the things that you wrote about in your piece because I, I just thought it was so so powerful. So, so, so first of all, you you spoke to over one hundred protesters gathered in the nation's capital, and you you write that what's happening is far bigger than the vaccine mandate. And one of the themes that I noticed in your piece, Rupa, is that you talk about how these people feel invisible, that they feel ignored, that they feel that the elites don't understand them. And I, I was wondering if you could um, expand on that. One, one of the lines you wrote, um, the elites, the people who have Zoomed their way through the pandemic, is kind of funny because you and I are on Zoom right now. And so I think we fit into that later category. Um, however, I think unlike sort of the elites that they're uh, talking about, um, I think that you and I try to have a better understanding of what it's like for other people who haven't been able to have the luxury of work, working from home easily. Like some people have had to work through the pandemic. And so you write the elites had better start paying attention to the fentanyl overdoses, the suicides, the crime, the despair, or else. So so, so, so what else is the, is, is the protest about aside from just wanting to end the mandates, wanting to have their freedom back? And, and, and you sort of write the elites had better start paying attention or else. So I wonder um, if you could expand on that a little bit. Well, um, it's it, it is it is principally about opposing the mandates. Uh, uh, you speak to anyone here, the truckers, the protesters, they just want the mandates gone. They want to be left alone. They want their uh, medical status to be private. Um, uh, it 
uh, you know, they, they, they see that and, you know, infringement of their privacy, uh, they, uh, they see uh, this is, uh, they, 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 um, they want to stand up for their bod bodily autonomy. Um, and uh, what, what was striking about my, what was striking about the conversations I had with some of these people is that they're not anti-vaxxers, not all of them. Uh, many of them have actually taken other vaccines. They've taken, they take the flu shot, they take uh, tetanus shots, they take travel-related vaccines, um, but they just don't want to take this, this particular vaccine because, for one thing, they uh, feel that it hasn't been out for too long. Um, number two, they feel that um, it's, um, the, the messaging around it has been very, uh, has been very confusing. Um, it's uh, been caught up in politics. The rhetoric around, us, around it is divisive, um, and they just feel uncomfortable uh, being part of that, um, and um, and and then so um, you know it's it's just um, um, sorry I'm just losing my train of thought. So, uh, but uh, just asking about yeah. you know like what like what what is yeah it what do they, they yeah yeah so they principally they want the mandates to be dropped. That's what they want principally. But it is there is something bigger going on. They see that the last few years they have been ignored that they feel like they're an underclass. They feel that um, government overreach has reached, uh, has, has is, is um, you know, has been extraordinary over the years. Um, they, you know, they, they find that uh, they're, you know, increasingly, they increasingly feel like they're a prisoner in their own country. They can't say this as a, the, a culture of political correctness. Um, they get, uh, they're afraid of being doxxed on social media. Several of the people um, uh, that I spoke to were uncomfortable sharing their last names, for example. And that was very interesting. Um, and I asked them, you know, why, um, you know, why are you, what are you so afraid of? Here, you're here standing up to the government, which is right there. Why won't you give me your last name? And they genuinely fear a, a government reprisal. They genuinely fear, um, um, uh, um, you know, people taking their names, reporting them to their employers, getting them fired. Uh, and some of that has been happening over the last few days. Um, and so this genuine concern about, um, you know, uh, a collusion, what they see as a collusion between government, big pharma, big tech, uh, and they're all coming together to, to uh, you know, to, to, uh, to uh, gang, uh, they're coming together and ganging up on them, essentially. Um, and so freedom, that's, that's what they're here for. That's, that's what you hear. That's what you hear. Yes, it's uh, principally about opposing the mandates and, 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 and ending all restrictions, ending the mask mandates, um, uh, you know, and, and no more lockdowns, no more restrictions, uh, but it's about freedom. And that's, uh, that's how I would uh, distill it down to, because that's what you keep hearing uh, constantly throughout, um, you know, day in, day in and day out, uh, the flags, it's all about freedom. Uh, we're here for our freedom. We're here for our children's future. Uh, we want our children's future uh, to, to, to be, uh, you know, to be, you know, to, to, to not have these, to not have this divisiveness. They're here for unity, which is another interesting theme um, of the, um, of the protests. Um, you know, they, they're tired of the divisiveness. They feel that there's, um, there's been a ratcheting up of that. The rhetoric from our politicians um, uh, has been uh, 
you know, as they, 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 they has gone up and it's created uh, divisions in the country and they want to see an end to that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's pretty much, you know, that's, that's, that's how I would, you know, I, I would say that it's bigger than the mandates, but it's principally about freedom. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, they're not the only ones who think that the, uh, the, the, the vaccine policies has become divisive. I mean, uh, two members of Justin Trudeau's own Liberal Caucus have come out and said the exact same thing in recent days. Um, and, and I'm not surprised also that they fear that they don't want to give their name because they fear repercussions because you have journalists online saying, let's report the license plate numbers, let's call the insurance companies, let's make sure that these people lose their jobs and lose their livelihood. So I think that they're fear is is justified uh, given what is happening in in this situation i, I want to pull one other quote that you uh, wrote rupa because it, it's so interesting you wrote that if trudeau sauntered down to the mess of the rigs on wellington street if he talked to these people for a few minutes he would understand it will not stop what's happening in canada right now is bigger than the mandate so what did you mean by it will not stop? I mean, you're, you're in Ottawa right now. We're kind of at an impasse, a standstill. Um, it seems like the police are really cracking down and Trudeau really wants these guys out right now. But but we, we get the feeling, I get the feeling that this is so much broader than just even the folks in Ottawa, right? We saw the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor and Detroit completely shut down. Uh, we see a, another convoy out in Alberta on the Coots border with Manitoba that are doing the exact same thing. Uh, over the weekend, last weekend, we saw huge rallies all over the country, Quebec City, Victoria, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto. I mean, th- I get the feeling that this isn't ending and it's not going anywhere, but um, I'm interested in what you think because you wrote, it will not stop. So what did you mean by that? It will not stop until the mandates are dropped. That is what everybody has been saying, uh, that uh, this is um, uh, this is where they draw a li- line in the sand. Uh, for them, um, this, this divisiveness has to stop. The, they see vaccine mandates as discriminating. Um, they, uh, they, this, they see the vaccine passport system as, um, as a tool, of, uh, tool to ostracize them, uh, as publicly shaming them. You know, what is, what, uh, what is missing from the reportage, unfortunately, are, are the stories of these people. They're real people. They've been hurting. Um, they've been bottling up these frustrations, the anger for the last two years, um, and more so in the last few months since we've had the vaccines and the vaccine passport system um, came into being. Um, they, um, they, 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 they've had an awakening. That's how I would describe it. They've had an awakening. Many of these people didn't really care for politics. They didn't really have any time for it. They're too busy, um, you know, driving their trucks. They're busy at their jobs. They're uh, frontline workers, like grocery store workers. They're nurses. They're, I've even met some civil servants who've been um, suspended uh, without uh, with without pay, I think, or with pay. I'm, I'm not sure what what uh, what that I think it's what without that is pay. exactly I think, I without, think it's without pay. pay if you're unvaccinated oh, yeah okay yeah and uh, they're they're uh, they're hurting um, and uh, and it's they're hurting and and wh- while they're hurting we're heaping on these uh, this abusive um, uh, rhetoric on them by calling them racist fringe unacceptable views uh, what is so unex- unacceptable about someone who just wants to eat, dine at a restaurant where she works? Uh, someone who, who was, uh, the, their lives have come to a standstill. 
you know, they, 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 they were avid travelers at one point, but they can't, they feel like they're a prisoner in their own country because they can't get on a plane um, uh, and go see their families uh, in uh, Greece or Italy or in India. Uh, um, some of them haven't seen their families in three years. And that that is likely going to continue, um, uh, you know, as long as the vaccine uh, mandate is in place. Um, and so they've had some kind there's been an awakening that's how i would describe it uh, of their of of their rights of you know what of of their freedom uh, how important this is to them uh, and uh, and that uh, and that they're going to fight for it no matter what um and uh, but they all i should say i i they, they're all peaceful They'll, they'll follow all of the processes in place. Uh, they're not here uh, to overthrow the Trudeau government. Um, uh, they're not, uh, uh, that is not their objective. They, they just want the truckers and the protesters, uh, really just want the mandates to, to go. And then they say, we'll leave. We'll leave and we'll, we just want to get back to work. Keep in mind that many of these people, um, uh, some of the truckers are actually still working. Uh, they're, they're here on vacation time. Um, uh, some people have taken time out from their work. Uh, and, 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 and so this is, or from their families even. Uh, and and so they they would like to go back to their lives. Uh, it's not it's not not exactly a vacation here. If you're sitting in your truck, um, I don't know if you've been inside one of these big rigs, uh, but and I and I did. They're they're very difficult to get into. Some of them come equipped with the uh, with um, with a bunk bed. Um, it's a tiny little space. But imagine spending ten days um, in that uh, day in and day out. You're just sitting in your truck doing nothing. Um, the truckers will say, look, you know, we're used to this, you know, this is what we do for a living. We live in our trucks, essentially. Sometimes our families come with us, but it is quite extraordinary. They're not moving anywhere. They're just stuck in the same spot. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's, that's, you know, I think that's what they're, they're standing up for freedom, their, their freedom. And they're saying, they also say that there's, st I'm standing up for your freedom. You know, it's not just about me. I'm fighting for all of us. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, and I, and I'm, I'm not going to stop till, uh, till we're heard. And what is extraordinary about this so far is that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau um, refuses to meet them. The organizers, um, you know, even yesterday when I when I when I attended uh, their uh, the, the presser, um, uh, you know, are still open to dialogue, uh, but they haven't uh, they they haven't been uh, they haven't even been acknowledged uh, uh, by the uh, uh, by the government. Um, you know, they they had, no one's reached out to them, and 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 so. Um, you know, so I, I think you know this is this is this is not a good situation in my view. Um, I'm I'm all for dialogue. I think I think the government needs to meet them. I think that should have happened last week. Uh, at least hear what they have to say. Um, my the the impression I got on the first day when I came home and I spent all day um, at the protest and I came home in the evening and I came home and uh, and I and I and I told my partner. Um, you know, this, uh, they've, they've really misjudged this moment. There's something bigger going on here. Um, our political class is, uh, you know, are completely disconnected from what is happening here. Uh, and this is going to backfire. And this is going to have political repercussions. It's going to change the political landscape, whether anyone likes it or not. Um, 
I tweeted this and uh, several mainstream media journalists pounced on me and said, ah, oh, this is just a fringe group of people. It's like a PPC gathering. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it just got bigger. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and it just got bigger, it got more diverse. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and here we are. And within a couple of days of the protest, Erin uh, O'Toole had to resign. Um, and, uh, and now we have a leadership race. So it, 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 and, 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 it's, and, it's, and, it's, um, and it's happening. You, you've had already two liberal uh, MPs from Quebec Who've, uh, who've spoken out against the mandates and the divisive rhetoric. And I think, I think it's just going to uh, keep getting bigger, in my opinion. I, I think you're right. I think that that anyone who sort of dismisses this as just another sort of PPC rally, I mean, we've been having uh, freedom rallies throughout the entire, uh, throughout the entire pandemic. We've seen them in Toronto. We've seen, lo- we saw lots and lots of rallies during the federal election. But what was happening during this convoy just felt different right from the beginning. When you saw Canadians go out on overpasses and you would just see those images of overpass after overpass after overpass, I think that inspired the truckers as well. And they started to realize that, you know, when, when the, the kids were handing out cookies with handwritten notes and you, and you had all the kids calling in and, and thanking the truckers, like, I mean, the story went around the world. And it, I think it inspired people all over the world to say, look, he, here you have mild-mannered, law-abiding Canadians standing up and saying enough is enough when 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 the canadians are the ones <laughs> that are you know w- willing to go to these extreme lengths um, you you can tell that they're at their breaking point and i think that public opinion has started to shift i mean i can point to half a dozen public policy changes that have happened just since this convoy. I mean, you mentioned that we had uh, uh, the leader of the Conservative Party replaced. That is a direct result of the convoy um, and and his inability to address it in a meaningful way and respect the truckers enough to meet with them. Uh, we had two liberals come out against their own prime minister. I don't think that's happened, Rupa, since Justin Trudeau was elected, um, aside from the members that he ejected, um, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Phil, uh, Jane Philpott. But but sitting members of caucus from Quebec, his, those are his allies, um, speaking out against him. Alberta dropped their vaccine mandate program. Saskatchewan dropped their vaccine mandate program. Manitoba announced that they are um, loosening restrictions. Restrictions will be eased in Prince Edward Island starting on February 19th. Uh, Quebec planned to lift its pandemic restrictions in mid-March. They also eliminated um, the plan that they had to have an additional tax levy on um, people who were unvaccinated. So we're starting to see this this tide of public opinion change. There's been a couple of major studies that have come out, one from Johns Hopkins showing lockdowns didn't really work. Uh, we've also seen a lot of public opinion polling. There was a Leger poll that found that 44% of Canadians sympathize with the frustrations of the convoy. We also saw an abacus poll that found really, really remarkably, the overwhelming majority of Canadians think that Justin Trudeau has handled this situation either poorly or very poorly. Um, And interestingly, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Joe Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki, was asked about the truckers. And and she said that she respected them and that they have a a right to peaceful protest. And she she was quite positive about them, almost like, uh, it's just such a stark difference with Trudeau, and I, I think, I think that that she she sees the potential of this trucker convoy to come to the U.S. and, and wreak havoc. And the um, American Democrats rely a lot more on working class voters than than the Liberals do in Canada. So I, I thought that was really interesting, and I think that 
I, th- I think that more and more people see the truckers as sort of a mantle for freedom and, and they're starting to side with them more than more than Trudeau. What do you, what do you think is next for Trudeau? What do you think Trudeau should do? What will he do? Um, and, and how can he sort of salvage a situation that seems like he's, he's in a pretty bad place right now? Um, yeah, um, he's got a, uh, you know, um, he has to meet them. He has to try to defuse the situation um, because this can't go on indefinitely. Um, um, and, um, and that should have happened last week, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but instead, uh, as recently as a couple of days ago, um, he doubled down on the divisive rhetoric. Uh, he once again mentioned the swastikas and the Confederate flags, which, you know, as I mentioned, they they, they, you know, they, they. I'm sure they were there. Uh, well, I haven't seen them, but they haven't I, returned I, I, I don't since. Know about plural. I don't. I don't think that you can say swastikas because, from best I can tell, there was one guy with the swastika flag, and I think that maybe there was someone else who drew one on a sign. But it wasn't like there that, that, that it wasn't like that was what you could classify the entire protest. I mean, there's thousands of Canadian flags. It's like how can you see thousands of Canadian flags, one Nazi flag, and assume that everyone there holding a Canadian flag is a Nazi? It's, it's so yeah, absurd. Uh, no, it is. It is, and um, I, you know, I was struck by that as well. And um, you know, it's unfortunate that that's how it ended up being portrayed. But, but Prime Minister Trudeau really needs to speak to them. Uh, they're open for dialogue. What is extraordinary about this is that these people are being called occupying forces, rebel forces. I've seen journalists referring refer to them that way as though you know i don't know what occupying force or rebel force would be interested in having a dialogue but that's what they've been saying you know we want to speak to the prime minister let him why why doesn't he hear us uh you know why why does he continue to pour scorn on us um so and here's here's one thing candace and i wrote this recently for the national post um uh, that, you know, there is room for compromise. So we have Prime Minister Trudeau, um, if you've noticed, has doubled down on the vaccines or nothing um, 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 and has doubled on, down on vaccines or nothing. Uh, he, uh, we've have, we have therapeutics. We, uh, in this country, we do not recognize recovery from uh, COVID. Um, uh, Germany does. Um, 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 I think Switzerland does, a lot of Europe, Denmark does, a lot of European countries recognize recovery from COVID. Uh, But we've taken an extraordinary position here that uh, vaccines are the only thing that is going to get out of our, uh, get get us out of the pandemic. Uh, Given the fact that most of us are vaccinated, I'm triple vaccinated, I've also recovered from Omicron recently. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, but it's, it's, you know, so I'm not, you know, I, I urge people to get vaccinated. I think I think you should. I think it does. I believe in the science. I think it does prevent you from. Uh, it it it, it uh, you know it it uh, prevents you from uh, winding up in the ICUs. I do believe in that. Uh, but uh, but but we've taken a very um, um, you know extreme position here that if you are not vaccinated, you're not going to get out of the pandemic. Uh, given the fact that we're you know a country that is that has had one of has one of the highest vax rates in the world um so and what is also happening here is that canada is increasingly an outlier uh among uh developed uh, uh western countries uh where 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 they're uh, seeing the end game of the pandemic, uh, they're they're getting uh, so. Yesterday, New York um, got rid of uh, indoor mask use. Um, uh, uh, Europe is getting rid of uh, some European countries. Um, 
are uh, you know are, are dismantling the vaccine passport system like Switzerland, um, and and uh, and what is extraordinary here is that we're doubling down on these things, um, and we're not recognizing um, a recovery from infection, which is which I think is an important step to take. Uh, I think it would be something that should come from our public health officials. I'm not sure why they refuse to do that. Several of the people that I've met at the protests uh, have had COVID. Um, I, I don't know if you're aware of a recent uh, CDC study that came out uh, saying that people who've recovered from COVID have very high antibodies, um, uh, even higher than those of us who've been vaccinated. So why is it that we don't do that? Why is it that we don't recognize uh, natural immunity, which is as old as time itself? Um, it's extraordinary that we put all uh, we put everything on vaccines, but we've ignored everything else that could be testing. Why are we so behind in testing? Um, yesterday, I, I, I saw a news report uh, that uh, that you know, uh, if you live in Ontario, you can now finally get these rapid tests by walking into a pharmacy or a grocery store. You know, the rest of the world, including India, where I originally come from, that's been the case for more than a year. Uh, what what is going on? Who, who do we who who's responsible for it? Is it the feds? It's is it the provincial governments? Why are we so uh, far, you know behind on something as basic as rapid tests? Uh, because that well, is rapid tests was something that could have been a lot more useful during the previous Delta waves. I'm not even sure that it accurately. Uh, will let you know whether you have Omicron or not. I've heard really competing stories in my own family. Uh, we had to test my son like five times, even though we knew that he had COVID, we knew he'd been exposed to a swim coach and he was showing the symptoms and he kept testing negative on these rapid tests. And we finally took him in for a PCR and it was positive. I don't even know why we bothered because it was just, I guess, peace of mind to confirm it. But uh, I've, had, I've had just even in my own household, so many weird instances where someone's positive one day and negative the next day. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure how, how accurate those are, but I, I, get, I get your point that Canada just seems to be really dead set on vaccines and not looking at even even sort of the underlying health uh, issues. I, I took issue with a Trudeau, um, for her, his former health minister. I actually, I'm not sure she's still the health minister, Patty Haiju, but she said that she didn't recommend people take vitamin D supplements, uh, which, which is, is really, really puzzling um, given what we know about the a number of people who have COVID who also have vitamin D deficiencies. And there have been lots of studies. And so the fact that she's telling people not to take vitamin D supplements is just curious because it's like, why, why wouldn't you tell people to do everything they can to be healthy? Go outside and get exercise, get some fresh air, make sure you eat a healthy diet, take vitamin D supplements. We live in the North and we don't get a lot of sun during the winter. Like it, it just seems like some of those basic messages have never been communicated to the public. In fact, what is striking um, is that, and I have doctors in my family, and they say, you know, what is missing from the messaging here from our public health officials is that uh, they don't, nobody even talks about uh, trying to be healthy, trying to stay fit, trying to, you know, so you close gyms, uh, which is extraordinary when, you know, that could actually help you, uh, you know, uh, give you the tools to fight COVID if you were to get it. Um, so we've, we've had it completely backwards. For example, gyms in the UK were open during Omicron. We closed everything down. Uh, we, we, we just, we just, we, the first sign of trouble here, we, we shut everything down, like the Rideau Center, which is, which has been closed indefinitely, but the businesses around it are, uh, are, you know, are open. Um, so, 
you know, I think I think it's it's important that our our political class, our political elites, uh, uh, principally uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, they need to really think long and hard uh, about what is happening in the country right now, um, and 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 listen to you know and pay attention to the frustrations of these individuals. They are your they're you're the Prime Minister of all Canadians, not just those who voted for you, um, and these frustrations are real. Uh, uh, and 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 the and some of the stories are heartbreaking, um, and and he really needs to uh, diffuse the situation, um, uh, go and speak to the convoy organizers, uh, hear them out, uh, chart out a plan. Um, you know what is what is what is happening right now is that we um, don't seem to have an end game in sight. Um, yesterday, the health minister uh, in Ontario uh, refused to tell us when when we're going to get out of this. Um, you know, this roadmap is all well and good, but you know, it doesn't really get us back to 2019, does it? Uh, when the rest of the world is moving in that uh, direction, um, so you know, it raises questions. Why? Uh, what? What is going on here? What? What? What are we so afraid of? We're. Uh, what is it? Eighty percent or more double vaccinated here. And Trudeau said yesterday that nine out of ten Canadians are now vaccinated. So uh, vaccines are are way out of the pandemic. So what is that going to be now? I mean, one hundred and ten percent. I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, but you know, I'll also tell you, uh, Candice, that um, uh, what I've also now seen is that um, you know, I'm. It's it's not. It's it's. It, and I've been noticing it, this is even before the uh, protesters and the convoy arrived in Ottawa, uh, people who are triple vaccinated are living in fear. They're walking around with masks outdoors. I, I never I never thought that I would see that. Um, I, I you know I, I get it. I mean, as long as the mask mandate isn't in place, I'm going to wear a mask wherever wherever I go. But I certainly will not wear a mask when I'm outdoors because that just it's it's just crazy. Being outdoors is what they've been telling us. Being outdoors is better than being indoors. Yeah, well, we've known that since the very beginning of the pandemic that uh, that COVID doesn't really spread outside. I'm not sure about Omicron, but and we saw that with our own prime minister. He's triple vaxxed. He just recovered from COVID and he's standing outside wearing a mask. It's like, how are we supposed to believe that that vaccines get us out of the pandemic when you've had COVID, you had, you're vaccinated, you still had COVID like so many other Canadians. I know so many Canadians that are double, triple vaxxed, still got COVID, including everyone in my household. And, and yet here you are still wearing a mask, still imposing all of these things. So it's, it's really hard to believe him when he doesn't even live up to what he's saying his, his rhetoric doesn't match his own actions and and that those images are powerful when you see the prime minister of the country at a press conference outside and there's really no one else around you know there's a lot of distance between him and whoever is there uh but he's still wearing a mask he's triple vaccinated and recovered from covid um that people people see that and uh, the and the triple vaccinated i find are more fearful than the unvaccinated which is extraordinary uh and you see that here you you can spot the triple vaccinated or the double vaccinated and the ones who are unvaccinated it's the unvaccinated who are dancing and uh, smiling and hugging everybody it's the tri uh, double triple vaccinated who are walking around in masks looking grumpy their shoulders uh you know uh, stooped and you know they're slouching and uh you can see them you can spot them and um you know so it, it tells me tells me that this 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 
I don't know how big this is, how, how big their numbers are. It tells me that I, some people are just not ready to say goodbye to the pandemic. Now, uh, how much of that um, is reflected in the decisions that our politicians are making? I don't know, uh, because at the end of the day, they're also humans. They're also, you know, they're also uh, susceptible to the fear um, and, and concerns about um, going back to normal life but uh but but it is quite extraordinary um and uh, and and so you know i think i think going back to your question I, I do think that prime minister trudeau it's time for him to speak to them uh this is not a good look for the country candace i'm getting messages from people all over the world um uh saying you know what is going on i mean he's uh you know why doesn't he talk to them why doesn't he uh why doesn't he why doesn't he speak to them why doesn't he engage with them what is going on in canada and and you know and you mentioned uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. I think, you know, I think there's another element to this. Politicians everywhere else are watching this. And I think they're and they're and they're taking notes and 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 they and they're saying, look, I, I don't think it's a good idea for us to double down the way Justin Trudeau has, because, you know, we're going to see uh, uh, mass protest movements here as well. And uh, and that's not something we want to deal with right now. And uh, that I'm sure that's happening. And I think that's, uh, you know, probably because of the truckers. And um, but again, we're an outlier here. I, I don't know what 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 the thinking here is. Uh, I don't know how uh, Trudeau comes out of this. Um, uh, you know, how this is advantageous for Trudeau politically. I remember early on in the protest, several people were saying, oh, this is, uh, you know, Trudeau is going to get win a majority in the next election. This is a done deal uh, because these these people have managed to do that. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I think uh, I think uh, public opinion, uh, the, the narrative is changing it's it's changing um uh and uh and i and, and even people who are skeptical uh questioning about the uh, questioning the protests you know are tired of the restrictions they do want to go back to life normal life um and they want to put this behind them and ironically that is what the truckers and the protesters want they want their lives back well, it's so, it's so uh, interesting to hear your perspective, Rupa, and I really appreciate um, not, not just coming on the show because it's great to talk to you, but I appreciate the fact that you go out there, you go against the grain, you don't just do what everyone else in the legacy media does, and you really sought um, to tell the other side of the story. So it's great to, great to have you on the show. I appreciate your time. Um, that's Rupa Subramanya. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Candice. Thanks for having right. me. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show.